right, welcome everybody. This is the Joe Danier podcast. I am Joe Danier, and I am an addict. And I truly believe that most of us are probably also addicts. I think our addictions manifest in a hundred different ways, but I think because we're such chemical electrical beings that we live in this overstimulated terrariums, I don't think we really have a choice in chasing down brain chemicals that are the result of our environments. And I'll tell you my big addiction, like I don't have chemical dependencies. I don't have to smoke cigarettes or drink alcohol or have any kind of chemical substance in the way of uh, illicit drugs or anything like that. Um, I have more, you know, most of us really like adrenaline fixes, right? Things that really push on us, whether it be bungee jumping or, um, you know, zip lining or, or jumping out of an airplane. You know, some of us really get a big edge off of, of doing things that cause our brain to, you know, convulse. I was just went to an amusement park and ran, uh, rode roller coasters, and I did that because of the, the the fear entangled with the adrenaline rush. It just feels good to know that you're in a a safe car that's riding 200 foot in the air at 60 miles an hour, knowing that you're safe, but maybe there's a suggestion that you're not, and you get that dopamine fix out of it. Well, my big uh, addiction is I'm in a state of if I've jacked something up pretty good, my brain tells me that I can just go get a new one. And so if I create an environment and I piss all over the floor, I want to go get a new room, a new environment. And early on, I felt that I was doing that where I'd take a relationship and I'd jack it up pretty good and I would just move on to the next relationship because there's 350 million people in this planet or in this country. You won't run out of people that you are... Uh, that, that, you know, you're having to renew and recycle because you ruined the one that came before it. And, but I found myself creating a bunch of casualties. There was a pile of dead bodies of relationships that I was just jacking up. So I had to stop this bailing on what I already have in pursuit of something that was new because I wasn't, there was no repercussions yet. But I knew that there probably were going to be some in the future if I continued to create bodies in my wake. And so I, my big, I, I created this rule and it's one of the toughest rules that I had to create is where I have this gate before I get something new, I make sure that I've taken care of something that I already have. And the, for you, you usually, you know, if you're in, c controlling your impulses, you're already putting these gates in between, between what your brain wants and the time elapsed between when you want it and when it's provided. Sometimes if you have some good idea and you sleep on it, the next day it's not as good as, as an idea anymore, right? Because some of the chemicals eroded and now you're just left with the feeling that you had afterwards. Same thing with impulses. You might have an impulse to go do something and then after the next day you wake up and like, yeah, I'm so glad I didn't do that in the moment because I was not thinking clearly. I was following some kind of emotional pursuit where I was looking for some, you know, my chemical rush. And so that is mine where um, I have to then hit the brake pedal. I have to search my life to see if I already have one of these that's being either underutilized or not used at all or even neglected. And I have to resurrect those ones and then I can go back to the beginning and see if I really need to add the another one, add another one to my, my arsenal. Because here's the thing, like you're, 
when you're young and you're poor and you have no resources, you think you have to deal with only one. What happens when you're not young and poor anymore and you have the choice to just keep buying another one? So let's just say you had a million dollars sitting in the bank and you go buy a car. Well, you get irresponsible with your car and you put wrappers on the seat and you'd spill your drink on the, you know, on the console uh, and you really make a mess of the thing. Well, you've got enough m money that you can just go out and get another car. You could just put that one on the curb or give it away to someone and go get another car, right? So well, the first time you do it, you can still, okay, that's cool. You, you've got a $30,000 car and you messed it up. So you bought another 30,000. You still got a ton of money left over. You can continue doing that. But if you evaluated it in comparison, are you making smart decisions by shit canning the thing that you ruined uh, versus you know, doing one level down, maybe you just pay, um, you know, a couple thousand dollars to have it reconditioned and new seats put on it and cleaned up real good and put new carpeting in. Right. But that also is not painful. Like buying the car wasn't painful. Rehabbing the car was, wasn't painful. And then the only thing that painful would be is to sit in your, your mess. Right. And that's the one thing you don't need to. So you have to have some responsibilities in your own mind. As, as life becomes more comfortable, you actually have to invent more motivation and more responsibilities for yourself because natural consequences are going to be harder to come by. And especially they're going to be harder to directly blame back at your behaviors. Because, you know, I, I say this all the time to people that I'm coaching. You are the sum of all of your decisions. And People who are in bad spots usually argue with me and tell me that the situations that they're in are not by their choosing. And I say, yes, they are. And it's a hard conversation to have with people because they, you know, the rest of the world, anybody but me is telling you that you're a victim of circumstances and, you know, everything that you're doing is a disease that you caught by mosquito bite. And I'm telling you that uh, you still got choices every day and you're making poor ones. And it's a difficult decision because I have to put myself in your position and it's usually an unenviable position one that there are some elements that weren't of your choosing there were some things that were out of your you know out of your direct control and the but the problem is there are things that are are in your direct control so i'll give you an example i blame people for getting colds right not because I think it's their fault for getting colds. Everybody gets freaking colds. I only blame people for getting colds when they tried everything they could not to get a cold. So if I'm having a discussion and we're saying, okay, uh, I got a cold, I'm miserable and I hate it. And I say, oh, tell me about this. So uh, what did you do to prevent not getting a cold? And they usually say, well, nothing. I didn't prevent anything. And I say, well, what if you could go back in time and you can reconstruct or reverse engineer how people get sick and then you could take times of year and you could put it on a sheet of paper and you could see evidence like context based in your environments and say when when this happens this happens happens i see a lot of people getting sick so going into the fall people get sick when there's large group of uh, of holiday gatherings people get sick and you start adding all of this science in your head about how sick happens and then you're just being an observer you're you're saying when i'm in the conditions of x right? Large gatherings, weather, um, you know, uh, the, the seasons that these cold viruses go around. Uh, if you know and mark it on a calendar and then you change your behaviors, what if you could do stuff and maybe you had seven things that you could do? Maybe you can get extra rest. Maybe you could cut back on glucose and sugars. Maybe you could, you know, limit your alcohol consumption. 
Maybe you can do more exercises. Maybe you can do supplements and vitamins. So you put on the calendar that you get sick a lot in August or September, October. And then so all of that month, I'm going to do all of these things. So when you say I got a cold, I'm going to say, what did you do to try to not get the cold? And you're going to say, I took supplements and I exercised and I marked on my calendar that this was the period of time that I was going to do it in. And uh, I made all of these preparations. Now you're excused because you did everything you could. I can add some stuff to your list. If that didn't work, then we can put some more things on there. Now you have my sympathy because you did everything that you possibly knew or could do. You made this big effort and you still got sick anyway. Now we were having a conversation. But if every time you fall victim to circumstances, but you did no preventative measures not to be in those circumstances, we got to have a different talk. Like you have to be more aware in your own environments that you're falling victim to things that are in your control. So why is you can't make the cold virus not go around? There are some controls that you can prevent and you're not doing them. And so that's why our first conversation is always taking responsibility, no matter how big your sob story is, because everybody's got one. There isn't a single person that, 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 uh, tells me their opening story, their opening pitch of why they need help and doesn't give me the foundation about how it's not their fault. Ask any psychologist and ask any counselor. And people set the stage when they're explaining to you about how this isn't their fault. And it's really tough, especially if you're a guy that only teaches people how to take more responsibility for their actions than they deserve. If we start out with how it's not your fault, because if it's not your fault, what I'm going to say, yeah, you know what? It's not your fault. And it's end of session. They can't do any more with that. I think all the time in the in the future, how many uh, 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 people who are not responsible for their financial state or their uh, emotional state or their physical state, how many people think it's not anything that their fault, aren't doing anything to be in preparation of having, you know, a better version of any of that? What's the world going to be like for people like me who try to motivate people into having more than they do if it's not this mysterious where I, I'm not going to take a magic wand and say blessings are going to be bestowed upon you? Right. Blessings are earned by freaking hard work and planning and preparation. It's not a guarantee that you're going to have blessings because of it. But I know more people that come into blessings and good luck because of their preparation than I do of people who just wandered into it and are like, how did that happen? Right. You can usually describe to me how you came into blessings, what you did, what position you put yourself. Every once in a while, you'll get a lightning strike where somebody just ended up in the right time, right place. But it's not something that I would invest a month of my uh, my time into trying to contain a lightning strike. But there are things that I can uh, contain and I can give it a more chance, a more probable chance uh, of happening. So that is, uh, you know, the 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 long and short that I will never say I have an addiction and it owns me because it doesn't, right? I know that if I put a piece of strawberry cheesecake on the island in my kitchen, that I have upped my chances of eating strawberry shortcake or strawberry cheesecake. And if I know that that's a temptation of me where I like it, I want it, but I don't want to want it, then I know the first time that I see it when I'm in, in a strength period, like in a, in a mentally strong period, that I throw that shit in the garbage so that I'm not to tempt myself when I'm not feeling very strong. And I know that about myself and I have the responsibility. So, you, you know, if you take the underarching, like the first event the first great thing you could say to me when you're sitting across me and I'm, I'm coaching you or, or, or mentoring you is that not telling me the story of why it's not your fault, but you want to tell me that you have the first layer 
that you're not in control of, right? You don't have, so for instance, in that case, what reasons would you not want or not have to throw away the cheesecake, right? So cheesecake's not your first one, right? You didn't throw it away when you had the chance. Why didn't you? Well, maybe there's one thing that you have a hoarding problem. You're addicted to keeping stuff because of their value. Even though you don't want it, you're going to keep it because it's worth money and you can't throw things away without money. All right, now we're talking. How do you get rid of stuff and claw a little bit of value back so you can get rid of stuff, right? There's your first problem. So you might just have it in the wrong order where you're trying to throw stuff or you're trying to Make good decisions that you can't make because there's another rule that is is stronger than the rule of I don't want to eat cheesecake. So you're like, okay, well, I can't throw anything that has value away. And I'm like, hey, did you buy that thing? Did you did you buy it? So you made the choice to buy it. So now you have it and you created this conundrum where you don't want it, but you do want it. You don't want it, but you don't want to throw it away. So you might as well eat it because it has value. So let's go back and roll back even further and say, why'd you buy it then in the first place? I went to the grocery store and I was hungry for, you know, I was hungry so that uh, I haven't had sugar in a while. Okay, so roll back even further. There's another decision. Don't go to the grocery store hungry. Cut out some sugars. And you're going to have like an origin, a little seed there, where you're going to get to the starting point of something that you can do that makes everything ahead of it easier. The grocery store gets easier. The what you buy at the grocery store gets easier. The what you keep in your house gets easier. So then the eating the cheesecake thought you thought it was a problem in the beginning, but the origin story started in something that was completely under control. But if you don't reverse engineer it and get it back to the very beginning, you don't know that the little thing in the beginning, which is I eat too much sugar, caused you to eat more sugar. I mean, it it's usually as, um, it, as simple as that. You're addicted to sugar. Cool, so you're going to want more sugar. If you don't want to be addicted to sugar, then you got to have less sugar. Maybe just eat enough sugar so that you're not dope sick over your addiction to sugar, and then the cheesecake isn't even its problem. I use all these metaphors, and I mix them up for easy understandability, if that's even a word. But the deal is that you and I are in the same boat. I'm an addict just like you are. Some addicts are chemical. Some are uh, some addicts are addicted to mystery and and risk. Some addicts are addicted to sexual urges and, you know, very primitive deal. But we're all addicted to this stuff, and we're going to have stuff that's easier for me. Like, I could say no to cigarettes, and there's somebody that I can come across with that that's one of their vices that they can't say no to. Well, you could put cigarettes in, the, in front of me on a table, and the temptation for me to smoke them is very little. But somebody else, but you put something else in front of me, I know my vices. I know which ones are going to like really call out to my brain. And those are the ones I keep off of the island in my kitchen. I keep them as far away from me as I possibly can because I know those are, those are the strong ones. You, you set up environments so they're productive to what you say you want. And then you surround yourself with people who will help you defend against those things because you communicate with your wife and your kids and your friends and your family and let them know that cigarettes, you don't want to do them anymore. Can you help me? Can you be accountable with me? And people that love you will absolutely help you. So hope I helped all of you, my fellow addicts out there. This is the Joe Danier podcast.